I'm excited about the starting of this uh, series here. There's a lot of things going on at the well, and sometimes it can get almost overwhelming. And so we have to, we have to do our best to, to coordinate and, and organize. But, but even more important than that, we've got to spend a lot of time in prayer. And as human beings, you know as well as I do that we can kind of get out of the habit. Anybody else? We've got to pursue and continually seek God that we could ask him, God, what do you want me to do? Not, not what do I feel like I should do? What, you know, not what is everybody else doing so I know what to do, but God, what are you calling me to do? And as a church leader and uh, as the church body, we all have to do that, whether it be how God wants to use you in this church, but there's, there's a lot of needs in this church. I pray that you would pray uh, and ask God, how can I be used at the well uh, or your home church, maybe we have some visitors here on this holiday weekend. How can God use me in the church that I can put my hand to the plow, that I can pull my weight, that I can do what God's calling me to do, and I can maybe take some weight off of another man or woman of God so that they can do what, they, what God's called them to do in a better way. So I say that to say, as I pray about which direction God is leading me in, and I try to get a word from him, I, I run it by different people here at the church, and I say, you know, this is what I feel like God's saying. What do you feel like God is saying? And this is where I really do feel like God is leading me. And I think that this series called Storytime will have several good results if we are obedient to the Lord. Number one, we will have a better understanding of the Old Testament and what it's really teaching Number two, and most importantly, we will be able to see Jesus Christ more clearly, who he is and what he is doing. And number three, I think that this will be a great guide as we look to teach our children and to speak to them and to, and to relay the same stories that we heard as children, uh, relay them to, to, to our children. What I've found is, as I have talked to people about the stories in the Old Testament, is that... I heard several of these stories growing up, but I didn't hear as much as the generation before me. And the generation now, they don't know any of the stories, which is so sad. I mean, who doesn't know David and Goliath? But I talk to kids all the time. They've never heard of David and Goliath. I hope yours do. But a lot of them have never heard of Moses parting the Red Sea. Many of them have never heard many of these things. As we Get into today's story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some of our young people to come up in just a minute. We've got a whole row back there, and they're going to help me a little bit. I like to do this. It's really fun for them, and it's really helpful in us uh, gaining an understanding of how the story might look or how, uh, how Jesus might have done it, okay, how God might have done it. But before that, I want to lay just a little bit of groundwork so that what I say is built on the truth and the Word of God, and it's not something that Brandon in his creativity came up with. Is that, is that fair? I want to build this on the Word of God so that when I say it, you can take it to the bank because it's not Brandon's Word, it's the Word of God. Now, in saying that, I've told you this before, is that every word in the Bible is teaching us about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Every word, the thread of Christ, the Redeemer, God's only Son, God Himself coming in the flesh to redeem mankind, those who would believe in Him and His, and his redeeming work and His regenerating work on the cross, that's what the whole Bible is about. Now, a lot of scholars, uh, a lot of uh, smart people would, would come at me as I say that and they'd say, you got to take it for what it's written and it. you need to find the historical context and, and the, the, the words in Deuteronomy. They didn't even know about a man named Jesus. They didn't know about uh, all of these things that you're talking about. They didn't know that Jesus was going to die on the cross. They had no concept uh, uh, of this man named Jesus who you say is God. You need to teach what the Bible teaches to them and have uh, Jesus come along when he comes along. It's called dispensationalism, which means that every teaching has its time and it needs to stay in that time. The problem with that is the Bible. Uh, I don't mean to be funny, but I'm, I mean to show you here in just a second. I, now, I do believe that that's partly true. 
That is partly true, but I, don't, I do not believe that there's a clear distinction or separation from the Old Testament and the New Testament. I believe that we need to understand a lot of the New Testament through an Old Testament lens, but also we need to understand the Old Testament through a New Testament lens, especially when Jesus says something to this effect. John chapter 5 Verse 39 is, is really pointed, it's really clear, and it should seal the deal for us. Jesus, speaking to some of the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, says this. Let's start in verse 37. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. He says, God the Father, who everybody agreed was God in this day, at least the, his audience, he says, the Father has witnessed about me. The Father has given testimony about me. Now, this is Jesus. At this point, he's only 30, 32 years old, okay? He had lived on the earth in his body 32 years, and he is about to say something amazing. He says in verse 37, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Amen. Now this is very odd that he would tell them, to them it would have been odd, that he would tell them that you've never heard from him, you've never seen him, because you don't believe about me. Now, he would have been speaking to people who had probably memorized books of the Bible, who had probably searched the scriptures, I mean, up one side and down the other. They knew the Bible, the Old Testament, better than you and I put together could ever want to. He looks them dead in the eye and says, you do all of this in vain. You have no idea who God is. Amen. I was speaking, I was actually going back and forth on a little Facebook uh, thing the other day and a guy who was saying that Jesus is just an expression that he worships God just not through Jesus, I had to say, you're a liar. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. You see, they can say they worship God by saying Allah or through Muhammad or uh, whoever they want to say. That is a demon. Amen. We do not worship the same God as Islam. And I heard a, a, a somebody arguing that, well, if you say we don't uh, worship the same God as, as, as Islam and as Muhammad and his people would say, then you'd have to say that we don't worship the same God as the Jews, the Orthodox Jews. I say amen. I got no problem with that. You say, hold on a second. Jews, they hold to the Old Testament. They worship Yahweh. No, 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 no. They think they worship Yahweh. Big difference. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. Test the spirits. If you say you worship God yet do not believe in the Son, you are a liar or confused. Maybe clarification needs to happen. Maybe salvation needs to happen. At the end of the day, Jesus goes on. He says, you do not believe the one whom he has sent, so you don't understand. You think you know God. He's speaking to Jews. If you think I was just making that up, he is speaking to Jews. And he says, you think you know God, but you don't. You do not worship God. You worship an idea about God, but you do not worship God because you do not worship me. Listen to what he says. You search the scriptures. Here is our point. Here is our verse. Write it down if you like. It's in your notes. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. It is the scriptures that bear witness about me. He is saying that you have studied these Old Testament scriptures now forever. And you do a great job studying the scriptures. But you fail to realize you missed the main point. It is these scriptures that you study in that are teaching about me. You think that you're going to find life in them, but you're not. This is a vain study that is going to lead to death unless you see me there. That's our first uh, scripture. These scriptures will be at the top of every one of these because it is what we will build our case on. The second is Luke chapter 24, verse 27. We won't have to come back to these every single week, but this is the foundation, so we've got to set it. Luke chapter four, uh, 24, verse 27. 
Luke 24, 27. Let's start in verse 25 to set it up just a little. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He is speaking about himself. They don't believe him. He calls them foolish ones because they don't believe what the prophets have spoken about him. See, he's already starting to set it up. He said, you've read all of this stuff about me, and here I am, and you don't believe it. You have set this thing up in your heart, and it is blocking you from seeing the truth. And personally, it's got to be a temporary hardening of hearts. I can't go down that road, but for a Jew, and I, I, you know, I love those guys. I, I don't have a problem with those personally, but for me, for a Jew to read the Old Testament and see the fulfillment of Jesus Christ and not see it. Now, there is a movement. There are Jews who do see that he is the, the Messiah that was promised and prophesied about. But for a Jew to know the Old Testament, to see Jesus Christ fulfill all of these things and not believe is, is amazing. It's got to be a hardening of the heart. But he looks at him and he says, Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 27, he says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Has, has that been set up clearly enough? Jesus Christ himself says, you search the scriptures thinking in them you have life. That's not the case. They all teach about me. And then in Luke 24, he starts, he says, let me show you. You're not believing. It's very foolish for you not to understand that I am the one that the Old Testament scriptures prophesied about. And then he says, let me show you. So he starts with Moses and all of the prophets and showed how all the scriptures are about him. So do we understand that? This is yes and this is no. All the scriptures are about Jesus, and that's biblical. Okay. Now, I'm going to do the same thing that Jesus did there. I'm going to start with Moses as well. Can I have the kids come on up? <laughs> this will be fun. I hope. Not chaotic. This wasn't planned or rehearsed. Didn't want it to be planned or rehearsed. I don't plan or rehearse anything, just so you know. And it drives some of my friends just crazy. Right, Mickey? Okay, what's up? You ready to do this? Yes. You ready? You ready? All right. All right, Drew, you're going to be my number one man here. All right, now I need you. Come over here. We got to do this kind of quick. I'm going to run out of time. All right, you're here. You're here. You're here. You're here. You're here. All right, big Brody. This sucker's a beast. He's on my football team. Hey, look, I'm coaching uh, 4G football. <laughs> no, seriously, and we're coming up. We need some sign-up. We need some people to sign up. We only got like three kids right now. Brody's going to have to pull a lot of weight, right? Brody, tell him, I got this. I got this. Ah, yeah. Right here, Brody. I know you got this. All right, right there. All right, come on, come on. Come on, Dylan. We got to hurry. We got to hurry. Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Right here, right here. Come on, come on, come on. You're right here. You're right here. Okay, just like that. Okay, you're right here, like that. You're right here. Hold on now. Here, let's get in kind of a huddle. Okay. Oh, I need some kind of stick. Okay, you can't really hit anybody with this, okay? Okay, here. Okay. All right, careful, Drew. You're going to get me in trouble. Okay. Now, <laughs> in our story, there are a couple of different groups of people. Now, these aren't really people. These are water, waters, okay? Now, look, in order to be water, you've got to be able to flow. Water always flows. So let me see you do it like this. You got to move hips too, not just arms, hips. Come on, Fallon. You got to go down if you can't do it, all right? Come on. There it is. There it is. Okay, now, good. So you've got the water part down. Now, in our story, the water's not upright yet, okay? So I need all of you to get down like this. All right, now reach across. You don't have to grab the other person's hand. If, it's a, uh, if, if you feel comfortable, that's fine. Just do it like this and block the way. You got to go all the way across a little bit more, okay? Now, is this water passable right here? 
No, 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 no. Can't. I'd have to step on a kid, and I ain't going to do that, okay? So this water's not passable. I can't get through here, okay? Now, no, y'all aren't water. What are y'all doing? <laughs> Moses, you're not the water. Okay. <clears throat> okay, stay down like that. You're, you're the water. Now, this is the Red Sea, okay? This is the, the, the Sea of Kids, all right? Now, you're Moses. Turn around and say hello. Hello. All right, hold up your staff, Moses. Hello. All right, this is Moses, and he's got his trusty staff. All right, now these guys are the Israelites, and I'm going to play Pharaoh, okay? Now, in our story, we've got the Israelites. Say, hey. hey. We've got Moses. Say, what's up? What's up? And we've got the water. Hey, wiggle it, wiggle it. All right, all right. So let me read for you. I'm going to do a quick reading, and then I'll just kind of tell the story a little bit. Now, listen, these kids will grab a hold of this, and so will you. Don't be afraid to be a little embarrassed, okay? Now, listen to this. We're in Exodus chapter 14, the story of the... You water's okay over there? Okay, all right. Y'all feel kind of silly? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Here we go. All right. Uh, shortened version. Now, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pahahurahath, whatever that is, between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say to the people of, say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So here's the picture. Uh, they have left Egypt because the Lord made Pharaoh let them go, okay? Through a series of plagues and all kind of stuff, he forced Pharaoh to let his people go. God heard the cry, and he says, let my people go. He said no a bunch of times. He hit him again. He said no. He hit him again. Finally, they had let the people go. Now, the people over here, hands up, hands up. The people, y'all walk in a circle like this. Here, follow me. Come on. Come on, hurry up. Come this way. Y'all don't know what a circle is? Watch the cords. You're not the, you're Moses. All right, the people. All right, now they're walking around. They're out of Egypt. Wes is like, please, God, don't let them step on my cord. They're out of Egypt, okay? But now they have not entered the promised land. If you know the, the rest of the story, they never do, not with Moses anyway. But they're wandering around. They're right outside of Egypt. They need to be set free, but they have become complacent, and they won't get on out of there, right? So the story goes on and says this. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, I want you to read. I want to read that part. It says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. So he hardened Pharaoh's heart, and then Pharaoh, once his heart was hardened, thought about it, and he said, oh, my goodness, come up here. Do like this. Say, oh. No, look, it's got to be I. Watch me. Oh. Yeah, Moses got this, I mean, uh, Pharaoh got this epiphany. He's like, what have I done? What have I done? You got to do your hands, see? What have I done? Wait a minute. You're Moses. I'm Pharaoh. My bad. <laughs> All right, so I'm Moses. I'm sorry. What have I done? What have I done? I can't let these people go. They're going to rise up. Something's going to happen. They're going to come back in. I've got to go get them. Now, who was it that hardens Pharaoh's heart to bring this about? God set Pharaoh in so many words, at least, against the Israelites again. They were already gone. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to get you, crazy kids. Y'all ain't worried about it. All right. So he, he hardened his heart. Pharaoh came after him. He's, he's chasing them down, and he's going to do this amazing thing and kill them all, right? So listen to what it says. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out here, that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? He said, Moses, we're going to die. Is it because there wasn't any graves? There wasn't enough graves in Egypt, so you brought us out here so we could dig new graves? So everybody look at Moses and say, What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Say, say, we should have stayed. Now, look, look, y'all can look at me and say, 
You got to get your hands out of your pockets. Right here. Say, we should have stayed. We should have stayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. And Moses is just over here going like this. <laughs> here I come. I'm coming to get you. You, you got to yell at Moses. Run. Get us out of here. Tell him. Say, get us out of here. <laughs> and they said, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. Here, you read this. Right there. Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see. Whom you see. Whom you see. Today you shall never see again. This is the best one right here. The Lord will fight for you. Oh, what did you say? The Lord will fight for you, and you you have to be silent. Oh, the Egyptians are chasing you. You'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be silent out of the mouth of babes. And then he goes on. And he says, I've hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Lift up. Let's turn this way a little bit. You, you, you're pretty healthy. <laughs> Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go, go through on dry ground. Lift up over the sea and they just parted. Everybody stand up like this on your knees. Woo, look at that, baby. And the people of Israel just walked through on dry ground. All right, now go with them, follow them through, Moses. All right, now stay there with it stretched out. Now the water's still standing. Now listen to what it says here. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by the strong east wind and all night and, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went through in the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right and on their left. We skip on down. Listen to this. The Egyptians saw this. Pharaoh saw this, and he says, we've got to turn back for the Lord is with them. Now, I want you to catch this. This will be in the sermon. I'm wasting all my time, but this is good. Listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now the Egyptians are in, but they see that the Lord has done this. Could this be done any other way? They see the Lord has done this. We've got to turn back. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. That's good. Stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal. Hold on a second. <laughs> Y'all eager. And the, and the sea returned. I lost my place. Hold on a second. Moses out hand. And the Egyptians fled into And the Lord drew the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. So he's in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered them. Ah! <laughs> Okay, get off of me. Get off of me. Get off of me. Oh, crazy kids. And they never saw the Egyptians again. Listen to this, boys and girls. Listen to this. Thus the Lord, listen. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Listen, these are not fairy tales. These are not fairy tales. These are Bible verses and they're real life. This really did happen. Moses was a man of God who had the power of God inside of him. And when he lifted his staff and when he lifted his hand and he spoke, the world obeyed. Jesus Christ is the greater Moses, and through him you experience salvation, and your enemies will never come against you again. Understand that? All right, give these guys a hand. Great stuff, great stuff. Give me five. Great job, great job, great job, great job, great job, great job. All right, y'all head off that way. Hey, great job, Moses. Good job, Israel. 
Give one more hand. That was good. Don't kill nobody with that. Oh, man, I'm hot now. Are you teaching your children the Bible? Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 11. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking to them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. Let us teach our children of the Lord. Let us teach our children of the stories of the Bible that are not folk tales. They are not fairy tales. They are real. These are stories that are written in stone. They are witnessed. They are accounted and attested. These are stories that showed the power of God that we might fear the Lord and come to him. Now, as I read the story, I'm not going to read the whole story again. I wanted to read it with them so that you could see uh, just a, a little representation of, of what exactly was going on. So we see all of these things happening in this story. So I want to read just a couple of things. There's one paragraph at the top of your notes. If you don't have them, it's fine. I'm going to read it for you because this kind of seals up that whole uh, introduction I did about building this on the foundation of the scriptures. Every biblical story has a historical context that should be considered when seeking an understanding of the original meaning of the story and the significance of the story as it applies to the original audience. Now, don't let that confuse you. What I mean is when you read the story, you need to understand the history behind the story and what the original meaning was to the original audience. That's important. We need to understand that God was recording human history, that he really was recording how he had set the people free from Egypt, that he had brought about salvation through his man Moses, how he, Moses, under the, 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 the instruction of the Lord, had lifted his staff and lifted his hands and parted the waters. The sea stood up as God displayed his power. Amen. Nevertheless, though, According to the words of Jesus and the other New Testament writers, we have an obligation to search the scriptures to find how they, quote, bear witness about Christ out of John 5, 39. If we find the original meaning yet fail to find how they bear witness about Christ, we search for life in vain. We also have an obligation if we are to be conformed to the image of Christ to do what Jesus did and to interpret to the people in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We must, as we teach these by, I say all this for a reason. My prayer is that you will start to teach your children these stories. Maybe you already do. If there is one in the room that teaches their children this, these stories and shows them the implications of Christ or the greater meaning in Christ, please come and let me know because I have yet to find the person that does that. Many times, and I don't have time to go into all of the stories, but many, many times I hear pastors who preach on stories of the Old Testament, such as David and Goliath, Moses and the Red Sea, Noah and his ark. They teach on these stories of the Bible, and they teach great truths out of these stories. But they fail to end in Christ. They fail to show the greater significance in Christ, such as David and Goliath. The little shepherd boy who was a, ten, a tender of the sheep who had no armor, who had no training in official combat or battle, who uh, was the most unlikely one to set them free or to save them in this fight, goes out down into the valley, wages war with a giant, and secures victory for everyone else. Now, I've heard, if you believe in God, you can do anything. 
If you just have faith, you can do anything. Can we gather that from the historical context that God supplied? Yeah, sure. But if you fail to realize that David was a foreshadowing of Christ, who would also all by himself come down into a valley and take on death, the giant of an enemy that no one else could face, so that the rest of the people could vicariously enter into victory, you've lost that whole many. Christ is the greater David. Christ is the greater Moses. Christ is the greater Joseph. Christ is the greater Jacob. Christ is what all the scriptures point to. I've got four things I want to show you out of this particular story that I want to uh, help you to see some historical context, and then I want to point you in the right direction as we look to Christ to see what exactly it is that we should be learning and how we are to apply this to our lives. Number one, as we read in verses 1 through 10, we will never gain our freedom until we realize the reality of our slavery. We will never gain our freedom until we realize the gravity or the reality of our slavery. Heather and I was having a conversation the other day, and uh, we were talking about how sometimes I'm not too compassionate. I need to do better. Heather says, you just need to have love. I agree. Sometimes I'm just smacking people upside the head, and she's like, chill out a little bit. But my point was, and I, and I know there needs to be balance. She's actually right. And she was right in the particular instance, I think, too. But I was, my point to her was is that if you never tell anyone that they're in bondage to sin, that they're a sinner, that they are overwhelmed, that they have denied God, that they worship other things, how in the world will they ever know that they need to be set free from a sin that you've never told them about or no one else has either? How in the world can you look at someone and say, you need to set free, you need to be set free, and they're looking at you saying, from what? I am free. That's why many atheists who believe there's nothing outside of this world say, I, you, you say I need to be saved. Not only do I not need to be saved, but I, there's nothing to be saved from. How can you proclaim salvation to someone who does not think that they need to be saved? You say, where do you get this from in these scriptures? Look at verses 1 through 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of, there's that word, Pahaharath, between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. Now, there's only a couple of reasons why God would, would make all of this happen. Apparently, God had called Abraham to uh, go to the promised land. Do you remember that? Right? He had called his people to go to the promised land that he had given them. But they were really slow to do what God called them to do. There was a lot of stuff in between, a lot of sin, a lot of, a lot of questioning of God, a lot of rebellion. And they kept hit, getting, getting stuck in the mire. They kept hitting road bumps, and they kept getting off course. And so God kept having to push them. He kept having to kick them out. He kept having to make them do what he's called them to do. Now, you say, well, I just, I just want to, I, I, I believe everybody's got free will, and I believe everyone, we, we make the decisions. We are the owners of our destiny. Listen, you can believe that if you want to. I don't want to be the owner of my destiny because I know me. I know how dumb I am. I know the choices that I would make left to my own devices. I need God to come and push me. I need God to overcome my will to sin. I need him to change my heart. I need him to bring things against me so that it would push me to be who God's called me to be. Amen? Amen? You, if you left to your own devices, you will wreck your world, and there's no hope unless God comes and intervenes. Amen. We need him to intervene. Now, you see, the people of Israel had gotten comfortable here, and they had started to think, well, this is just where we are. They didn't think that there was a problem anymore. So what does God do? God hardens Pharaoh's heart so that he would then start to pursue the Israelites. Now, at first glance, is that not counterintuitive to anything that you think God might do? Doesn't it seem to be that God is trying to set his people free from Pharaoh, not uh, make Pharaoh chase the people again? 
But God wanted the people in a certain place. So he had to give them some motivation. So God hardens Pharaoh's heart. All of this stuff comes about, and he uh, helps them to see that slavery is still right here. You have not reached where I want you to be. We've got to understand that we are slaves. I've got a little note in there. I'm not going to go over all this, but it says, read the story, and that's talking about reading it to your children. Read the story with enthusiasm, and then stop at verse 10 and point out these truths displayed by God's people. I really did write this so that it will help you tell your children this story. This is practical, not just for today. Take it home and look at it and talk to your kids about it. You see, the Israelites had forgotten, and they needed a push. So God hardened Pharaoh's heart and brought about this uh, this. this this struggle, this pursuit, this threat, so that they then would see the need to flee. So that's exactly what happens. They started to flee. They, once they started to flee, they saw that there was a problem. And once they started to face these trials, now you tell me if this isn't you to a T because it was me. We, even though we are children of God, most of us in this room, if you're not, you need to listen. The gospel's coming. It's all in this thing, Okay. We, the children of God, we have been set free, and we have all the right, all the power, and all the freedom in the world to live under the umbrella of God's protection and his blessing. We have been set free from death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We now have the right to be called children of God, heirs to the throne. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You have no condemnation on you anymore. Yet what do we do? We go back to our sin. We get back up under the slavery. We we put the yoke of sin back onto us, and we don't even realize it. Inch by inch, we creep back into sinful behavior. Inch by inch, we start to trade away the things of God for the things of the world. Inch by inch, we put ourselves back in a position of slavery. And we like it. You see, listen to what it says here. <laughs> we, the people saw the, the, that, that Pharaoh and the Egyptians had started to pursue them. So it woke them up. It woke them up to realize that they had not reached the promised land yet. It woke them up to know they're free, but they're not reached the promised land yet. And then they started complaining that God was trying to motivate them to get them to be where he wanted them to be. They started complaining about the trial, not trusting about the victory. They started complaining about the hardship. They started complaining about the journey Forgetting about the destination. Listen to what it says here. They say, they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? You ever said that? Jesus I'm pursuing you. And look at how my life has turned out. Why did you bring me here? God, you're supposed to be for me. Why am I going through this? You don't trust him. Is this what I'm supposed to be, God? Where are you? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt. You see the irony. Why, why did you give us freedom? Is not this, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Slavery is so often hidden under a thin layer of pleasure and comfort. How many a so-called Christian have turned back in the day of battle only to have their back lit up by fiery darts from the enemy? 
when victory was just around the corner. When Peter stepped out, this is one of Wesley's favorite stories, when Peter stepped out of the boat, many people give him a hard time because he sunk into the water. But he had the courage to step out of the boat. But I heard a sermon one time about Peter being out of the boat, walking on the water. And it said that when Christ was a handbreadth away, that's when he took his eyes off. The power to continue to walk is this far away. The power to continue to walk and be faithful to the Lord is this far away. Do you believe the Lord? Do you trust? That worldly draw and that worldly ease and promise of comfort and idle pleasure with no effort, you know it's a lie. Oh, how easily we forget. You know it's a lie. Yet we turn from the Lord and we go back to our functional saviors, money, relationships, sex, drugs, alcohol, thinking that in them we'll find life. It's a lie. Moses said, Fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The, the third thing I want to show you is that true freedom is not. Now, as we celebrate the 4th of July in our country, we celebrate freedom, Independence Day. We celebrate the right to do all these things, the our constitutional rights, we can worship, freedom of speech, uh, right to bear arms. All of these are being uh, challenged and, and some of them are being taken away. But I want to tell you something right now. Uh, those aren't real rights. They're, they're privileges maybe. They are, they are something that we enjoy. But let me tell you something right now. Uh, in Christ, you have freedom. We experience some freedom here, but in Christ is your true freedom. You see, true freedom, uh, write this down, grab some of these notes if you didn't get some. True freedom is not the result of wars or revolutions fought by men. True freedom is not the result of wars or revolutions fought by men. True freedom is the work of a true deliverer. True freedom is the work of a true deliverer. You see, now, in the story of Moses, God never asked the people to fight. He never told them, take up swords. He never told them, take up stones. He never told these people any of that. He did it all for them. Only through Moses was the people's salvation and freedom secured. God wanted it that way. God wanted it that way. We read, look back in, in verse 4, it says that, <clears throat> listen to this. He says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And so they did. You see, God never asked them to fight the fight because, number one, they could not do it. Number two, he did not want them to get the glory. You tell me, Brandon, okay, I understand what you're saying. I know I'm in bondage. I know I'm in slavery. Be honest with yourself. You know you got slavery tendencies. You know you got addictions. You know you got things you keep going back to. And you yourself are saying, I wish I didn't do these things, but I can't stop. What is the definition of slavery? To be forced to do that which you don't want to do. 
You know you have problems and tendencies towards slavery. Don't forget about the Savior. You see, don't go back to those things that promise false salvation. It is a lie. Don't believe that. Realize that there is only one way to be truly set free, and that is through the Deliverer. You say to yourself, I'm no good. I can't do that. You say to yourself, I'm nothing but a sinner. I don't have in me what it takes to be what God wants me to be. I had a conversation. Do you evangelize? Do you speak to people about the king of kings? Do you realize that they are in debt up to their eyeballs and they will die and pay for that debt for the rest of eternity unless it's canceled by the death of Jesus on the cross? Do you realize the importance of you opening up your mouth and letting life flow out? His name is Jesus. I had a talk with a guy the other day, and he told me, he said, I've been missing him at the church. He told me, he said, Brandon, I want to come to the church. I want to be a man of God, but I am not good enough to be a man of God. I said, amen. Ain't nobody in this room good enough to be a man of God. There is nobody in this room that can earn the right to be called a man of God. There is no righteousness in us. There is none who seek God. No, not one. There are none righteous. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. God likes it that way. That way you don't get any of the glory. You say, well, I'm the one that made my decision. I'm the one that, I'm the one that, no, you didn't. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. What do dead people do? What do dead people do? God gets all the glory for your salvation. He gets all the glory for your redemption. He gets all the glory for your freedom. God gets all the glory. You see, the people of Israel wouldn't ask to fight. They couldn't have fought. He fought for them. Amen. And he longs to fight for you. You say, I'm not good enough. Praise the Lord. Paul said, in my weakness, his strength was made manifest. You're weak? Praise God. That's how much stronger He'll be revealed to be. True freedom is not the result of wars or revolutions fought by men. True freedom is the work of a true believer. And as the guys come up, as the band comes up, I'm on my last point. There's a point in time when the final call has gone out to gather the people of God. Let me tell you something right now. Time is short. Time is short either way you look at it. You say, well, people have said for uh, thousands of years that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Well, with the Lord, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you, but I kind of am trying to scare the hell on out of you because I don't want it to be in you anymore. You see, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised today. Matter of fact, I was talking to Josh this morning. Josh has got to go to a funeral today, I think. One of his co-workers, 55-year-old, car crash, dead, gone. Got two kids. Lights out. I used to not like that tactic, telling people that life is short, because I thought that you was trying to scare them in. Well, it's just the truth. You better get right. You see, the Egyptians... They were disobedient, enemies of God. The Bible says in James 4, 4, to make yourself the friend of the world is to make yourself an enemy of God. None of God's enemies make it. None of God's enemies make it. He has never lost a war. You say, what about the cross of Christ? What about the cross of Christ? You see, Satan thought he had him. And this is where we'll... This, this, You remember the part of the story in the end where the Egyptians saw. They saw what was going on. They saw what was about to happen. And they said, I can just see them now pulling the horses and the horses going. And they said, turn back for the Lord is fighting for them. That's the scriptures. told Moses, stretch out your hand. See, the Egyptians thought they had them. Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, they're hemmed in. They're stuck. They're shut in. Go get them, boys. He 
And just at the time when Pharaoh thought he had them, we see this great and mighty miracle performed by one man in the midst of many that could not perform it. When he stretched out his hands and the waters parted. (laughs) And the Egyptians and the enemy followed in behind him thinking that he had snuffed him out. Then that same man, as his hands were lifted, closed the door. Oh, death, where is your sting? You have been swallowed up in victory. You see, whereas Moses held his hand and parted the waters, Jesus Christ raised his hand and tore the veil. He tore open the divide from man and God, making it possible that we might walk in on dry land. And just when Satan thought he had him, he cut his head off with his own sword. Listen, this is not a story that's just about Moses and some remote people thousands of years ago yes that's a true story yes the power of God was displayed in might and the ones that were running from their li- for their life that couldn't even fight was saved by one man in such a way that not only was he saved from his enemies but by the death of his enemies who washed up on the seashore declaring freedom was sure you see Jesus Christ is the greater Moses the one man who performed the one miracle that would deliver his people he was the one man who came to defeat an enemy that we could not touch that God said you have no victory over this enemy God was the one that declared that it would take this act of submission and sacrifice to pay the sin debt that we could not pay. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is not a fairy tale. This is not something that you believe in to get you by. This is something that you believe and it puts your enemies to death. And through his conquering death, Is our victory made sure? Paul says if if there is no resurrection from the dead, then what we believe is, is vanity. And we are worse than the unbeliever. There is no hope if Christ has not overcome death. But we see it washing up on the shores of our life. As we all stand to our feet, I want to ask you today, do you have freedom? I want to ask you today, what does your freedom look like? What does your God look like? You see, you do worship a God. I don't care if you call him uh, Jesus or if you call him something else. I don't care if you say there is no God. You worship something. You trust in something to give you your hope, to give you your joy, to give you your happiness, to give you your peace. Some people, they smoke weed to get peace. And to get comfort and joy. Some people go to work and they work their fingers to the bone to make money because money is their comfort and their security and their peace and their joy. Some people, they have to have that relationship to feel wanted because they get their hope, comfort, peace, and joy. But all of these are veneers. All of these are lies of the enemies and functional saviors that will leave you floating in the water. For he who makes himself an enemy, for he who makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do not be found floating. Walk through on dry land that was opened up by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ with your heart, if you've never heard the call, if you've never been drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit and you feel yourself being drawn now, come forward. Even in this moment, Can we bring the lights up? Even in this moment, I want to know who today would trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of their soul and the freedom that comes with it. Who today, in the the vision of all, unashamedly, 
Say, I want to know this, King. I want to be free. Anybody here? Come forward. There's two. Freedom and life just happened. Amen. Can you bring the lights up a little bit more? I know that at most churches, they turn the lights down and ask you to close your head. I mean, close your eyes and bow your head. Yeah, close your head on up. Right here, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. Come on up here, Margaret. But here I like to do things because the, the Bible said, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Now, I'm all about taking, you know, barriers out of people's way, but you need to know when you come to Christ, it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Crazy Christian, all or nothing. Who else here this day would give their heart and their soul to Jesus Christ? Here's another one here. Praise God. Come on up. Praise the Lord. Anybody else here? Life is happening. Don't miss out. Don't harden your hearts. Maybe you've been religious for a long time, but you've never seen Christ in all of this. I don't know. Praise God. save a whole family up in here. Praise God. Come on up, brother. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else hearing the call of the Holy Spirit, the drawing? I want to tell you guys, this is the beginning of your journey. And as a church leader, as a pastor, other pastors in this room, other men of God, other women of God here, I want to make a commitment to you to help you to know what it means to be a follower of Christ, to help you know what it means to lead your family. You see, you got your whole family here just about. Jesus Christ is calling, and, in, and he's going to empower, and he is empowering you to lead your family. You see, he's not going to leave you with it, but he's going he's gonna to take and use you and he's going to call you, he is calling you, to be his helpmate, to take your family and lead them toward Jesus Christ. And everything that you do and everything that you say and every breath that you breathe is Christ. You'll be a powerful force for the Lord moving toward the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget that. This is a life commitment. It's not words. It's your whole life given away for Christ. Before we close the service and pray with these guys, anybody else here? getting late in the service and uh, if anybody really needs to go you can go ahead that's fine uh, I think the Lord's got just a little bit more he's wanting to do here um, this is Zany she's the one that uh, Hambone had spoke of earlier her mom and dad are Michael and Amanda Blue and if any of you know that story it's, it's an amazing story but she had shared something with me this morning a prayer request and I want to let her share the prayer request because I want to pray for uh, this, this uh, young girl that she's going to tell us about. But I also want this to serve as a testimony 
of what a family of God that goes from the world to Christ can do and what it can mean to your children and to those around you. This day forward, you're no longer slaves, but you're a victor through Christ who can impact the world and the kingdom of God like never before. Does anyone want to share briefly with us? That's okay. This girl had gave her testimony about how her parents are on drugs and are on drunk. And I, one day during devotions, after I finished, the passage had really talked to me. And I went and talked to her and told her how my parents were on drugs and how they had done all the bad things that they did. But if it wasn't for my Christian families and all y'all out there to help my parents get through it, that we would not be Christians to how we love God's us. And she had texted me the other day when I got back home from Sea Salt. And she had asked me how to stay strong through all of this and how did I stay close with God and I didn't know how to answer her. It just made me so happy that somebody come to me for advice that my testimony had gave somebody hope to come and ask me for advice and I'm just so happy that she asked me and I told her that I wasn't close to Christ but I had Christ friends and I knew who Christ was and I told her to keep praying and stay close with God and she has younger siblings and I told them to protect them through whatever she's gone through because she texted me one night and told me that she was crying her eyes out because she tried to share what she had on sea salt and that her parents wouldn't listen and just started hitting her she went to her room and texted me and started calling me and was crying and it broke my heart that she had to go through that and I'm just so blessed that I got to have a new friend that I can help share the gospel with and that hopefully her family will come around and Guys, let me tell you something right now. There's one part of the story that I didn't put in, and I was wondering if I'd have time, but we've kind of shot the time now anyway. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ said, what you've seen me do, greater things than these shall you do. You see, Jesus Christ is the greater Moses, and Moses parted the water so Israel could walk through. Jesus Christ raised his hand died on the cross and defeated death so that we might walk through. Don't you understand what this means? It means that now we are the ones that stand with our hands raised high. We part the waters of life. We speak the gospel, which is the power and the salvation. We are the ones that carry Christ to the world and we set them free through our words of wisdom that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sandy, don't you understand that speaking Jesus to this girl has given her the opportunity to live life to the fullest? You see, Zany, just a few years ago, she didn't have a family who loved God. They loved drugs. She didn't have a family who loved Christ. They loved partying and, and, and that whole thing. But now, now through the power of the gospel, she's proclaiming life to the world. Yes. <laughs> proud of you. I'm proud of you. And I brought her up at this time for you guys too. Because this is the story. Because this is the story. You see, you are to be conformed in the image of Christ. And you are to speak life everywhere you go. You too, young man. And you will be a powerful force to be reckoned with on this earth. Because as you speak the gospel, you throw away all that stuff that you've got in your life. You throw away all those things that bind you. And you know what I'm talking about. You get rid of all that junk. It holds no weight anymore. You grow up. You start to love the things of God. You pursue Christ. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And you'll become a man that other boys want to be like. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Praise God. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm proud of you.
God's going to do amazing things through you. I believe it. Just like you. All right? And you, church family, have a part in all of this. Because we are one. We are one. This is your family. This is, this is your girl who's speaking life. This is your girl that's speaking life. Let's pray for these guys right now. We're going to go from here. We'll go back into a little room, and we're just going to talk to you a little bit about salvation and where you are in your walk, uh, what decisions you've made, and we're going to make sure that everybody understands everything, and we're going to be good, okay? We're going to talk about that in just a second. You'll follow Hambone. I saw him here in just a second. There he is right there. All right. Um, I want you to be praying for these guys, too. Uh, I want us to be a family moving out into this world to overcome the world. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for these that have come to give their hearts to you, who have acknowledged you as God, the Lord and Savior of the world. Lord, I pray for them as they enter into this new uh, this new path, God, this uh, new dedication to you and this new life. God, I pray for strength, for power, for comfort, for protection, God. I pray for Zany as she has uh, lit up this place, God, and, and lit up my heart. Lord, I'm so thankful to have had even a tiny part in seeing her come to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that we would all do our part in the kingdom of God in obeying your command to go and make disciples of all the world. Help us not to have lip service, but help us to be, help us to be a force to be reckoned with through the power of Jesus Christ. Bless us, Lord, as we continue to worship and as we continue to seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.